everybody, welcome to Film Buffing Up, where two casual filmgoers go through the American Film Institute's 100 films for a 100 years, one big old century, and then we see how they stack up in the new one. I am Mike, as always, I'm joined by Jen, who is uh, still upset about being called a filthy casual, now only 22 episodes in. 20 episodes? Are we only on 20? That's what I said. My this is God. the last movie in the bottom 20. Oh, this man. This movie is number 81. 81. So we are watching Spartacus, 1960, Stanley Kubrick, with uh, one of the Douglases, Kirk Douglas. Is it Mr. Kubrick? It's a Kubrick. Okay. It's the one that he, I think it's the one that he either did before or after the Napoleon one that never went to air. See, that face that you're looking at, though, looks kind of like Tony Kubrick. Um, I don't think it is, but there is a Laurence Olivier in here. And that man is not Laurence Olivier. So, so what do you know about Spartacus? Uh, I am Spartacus. I am Spartacus. Well, I mean, I'm not, because I don't know that much about it. Okay. I would presume that it's set during ancient Romany time. Yep. It was based, the, there was a Showtime show, I think, at one point. There's a board game we have about it. Is that about this Spartacus? That's Spartacus. That's, that's Spartacus. So it's a, uh, a Thracian warrior, which is uh, like a Greek offshoot, Greek, Greekish, Greekish, Turkish. I don't Greek-ish. know. Greekish, Greekish, Greek adjacent, who's captured in battle and forced to fight in the slave pits in the gladiatorial ring um, until basically starting an uprising based on a real story. Also sounds oddly similar to Ridley Scott's Gladiator which is not based on a real story as far as I understand, but sure sounds like a bad remake of this. Um, and that's about all I know about it. I've never seen it. Uh, well, not. Earlier today, I learned, I guess, that there's a crucifixion scene in it. That movie makes sense. And that there's a plane in the background of the crucifixion scene. Okay. Uh, apparently Julius Caesar will be in it. Okay. Uh, let me, uh, as, you're, as you're doing this, scroll back up just a little bit. Uh, I was hoping maybe Tony Curtis actually was in it because that face was very Tony Curtis-y. It might be Kirk Douglas. That that is so not Kirk Douglas. I don't know. To me, it looks like a young William Shatner. No, because we know what young William Shatner looks like. Looked like to me. Mr. Trumbo was involved in this. That name is um, big at the moment because there's some movie about him. TV show? Yes, there was some movie about him six years ago. It keeps showing up on one of our streaming <laughs> services. Yeah. Uh, Trumbo, famous uh, screenwriter. Um, I believe... Oh, he did Roman Holiday. Yeah, he did. Did a lot of things. I think he was... Um, I don't remember the exact specifics of it, so I don't want to misspeak. But I think he was one of the ones during the McCarthy era that was... Oh, uh, everyone getting, got messed during the McCarthy yeah. era. But so. I think he was the one that was actually working. There's, there was one that definitely wasn't. Mm-hmm. And there was that one that would definitely actually was working I mean, with it, the Soviets. It, it does say that he was the most famous of the blacklisted film professionals known to history as the Hollywood Ten. Yeah. Uh-uh. Uh, so I don't remember if, if what, what it was for him, but um, that is pretty much all we know about Spartacus. Well, okay, so, so did you not want to hear how I quote-unquote learned today that apparently there is a crucifixion in this and there may or may not be a plane in the background? Uh, Sure. My boss. 
Okay. <laughs> Very interested about the crucifixion. Yeah, he kept, he kept me at work late. And when I was like, I, you know, I don't mind staying late. Like, if you need something, I'm here. But mm-hmm. also, I actually have plans tonight. I have to go home and watch Spartacus. Mm-hmm. And he was all like, oh, yeah, you're going to watch for the plane during the crucifixion scene? And I was like, wait, it's a crucifixion scene? And he's like, yeah. Um, but I don't know how he, how much he can be believed because he also thinks that someone died during the filming of Ben-Hur. Oh. And that the wife had to be paid a lot of money to keep the scene in the movie. And I was like, no, nobody, nobody died in Ben-Hur. There was a man who got fairly well hurt, and he was like, yeah, yeah, the stunt guy, he died. And I was like, no, he just, like, flipped over the front of the chariot, and, like, that look of surprise on his face is real because he lost control of it. But he didn't die. So I don't know if we can believe him about uh, this. What? Yeah, he did say it was about three hours long. He said, I asked if he's seen it, and he went, only once. And I went, so it's not good enough to watch again? And he goes, eh, it's what a little long to watch with again. with these Roman epics? <laughs> well, it's because they're epic. Yeah, jeez. Um, so $12 million budget, according to my pre-research here, which is a pretty sizable amount of money at the time, but considering it was Kubrick, that makes sense. Um, don't know how much it made back, though. Take a look here real quick. Um, but yeah, box office office success for sure, sixty million. Um, that's quite a bit here. And uh, yeah, it's based on a nineteen fifty one novel by the same name by Howard Fast. So, you know, finish your sentence. No, go ahead. It does have Tony Curtis in it because <laughs> the the um the poster image that you have pulled up on this wiki page lists Tony Curtis. Also, you know how we always say Con Air has something for everyone? Uh This is apparently the tagline on the movie poster. Spartacus has everything that makes entertainment great. It's even got Gene Simmons from Kiss. No, that's definitely a different Gene Simmons. That's that's how you spell the female Gene. Oh, oh, far more. Unless unless it's a French person and then it's Jean. Jean. Jean Simmons. That'd be much more entertaining. Jean, All right. Jean well, let's Simon. go. We, we no. no more preamble. We got a long movie to watch. Yeah, it's coming. So we will catch you guys on the flip and see how Spartacus stacks, or if we are in fact Spartacus as well by the end of it, or if we wish to be crucified instead. We'll find out. Spartacus. So we we had actually um, come back a day later because it was getting too late to contain our thoughts um, about this film because it was three hours and twenty three minutes. Yeah, 
um, including how long of an overture? Oh, well, that's that's in my book. Before we get to that, <laughs> what were your general thoughts on it? Yeah, it's all right. It's all right? It's all right. It's, it's all right. It, so uh, about, what, 25 minutes into the film, I turned to Jen. I have a fascination, a fascination about a subject in cinema called the twin film. I don't think that was really a thing in 1960. Well, it seems like it was. No. Because the idea of a twin film is that a studio gets a script, or a producer gets a script, and loves it, but for some reason it doesn't happen. Right, the budget's not there, the timing's not there, the casting isn't there. They let it go. No, see, but then I they don't... decide that they want to still no, do it. No, that's what a twin film no, is. No, it's not. A twin film it is, is when in a... fact, no, you are a hundred percent wrong. No, it is in fact a studio taking a script, not going forward with it, but then replicating that script in its own capacity. To have a time frame of a similar release. That's the, not how all the Asylum twin movies work. The, the Asylums Asylum twin are not movies. twin films. Asylums are not twin films. But like Dante's Peak and Inferno are twin films. Okay. Okay. A twin film specifically happens not because someone has taken something after the fact and replicated it, right? That's a copy. That's just a ripoff, right? There's a term for that already. A twin film is when a studio specifically is given a script. They must have it delivered to them or have had contact with it. So it is no doubt, not just a thought in their mind, but they have replicated the script in some capacity, either in tone or subject matter, mm -hmm. right? And have released it almost simultaneously. So it has to be basically within the same year or so, or year or two within release, mm -hmm. but the production has to be almost over top of each other. And they have to have both studio, and, and the studio doing one of them has to have seen the original copy. Okay. So about 25 into the minutes right. into the movie, you were all like, is this a twin movie? Right. And then I read to you, mm -hmm. this, is, this is from Wiki. Which I feel like we are going to trust more than IMDb, mm -hmm. but not only does it say this on Wiki, it is backed up sort of in an autobiography that Kirk Douglas has written. It's backed up by the content of the film. So, the development of Spartacus was partly mm -hmm. instigated. It's not partly, it's all down to this. Pretty much, yeah. Uh, Kirk Douglas failed to win the title role. <laughs> And William Wyler's Ben-Hur. Right. So he tried out for the role, and they gave it to Charlton Heston, and they offered to let him be Masala, mm -hmm. which is the... I second know, male lead, technically. technically. Yeah, he's, he's like, still a lead. Yeah. But, like, Kirk Douglas is like, no, yeah. no, I'm not going to be this... This says second banana, but I, I'm going to go with second fiddle. I, I like second banana better. No one wants to <laughs> be second banana. But he was like, banana. he didn't want to be the second banana. Um. So... Uh, Douglas was really disappointed because he had worked with Weiler before. Um, so, uh, where is this? Eddie Lewis, a vice president of Douglas's film company, had Kirk Douglas read the novel Spartacus by Howard Fast, mm -hmm. which had a 
somewhat related theme mm-hmm. an individual challenging the might of the roman empire and they are different and but... douglas was impressed enough that he immediately purchased the option mm-hmm. for the book uh, with his own money right and then there was like a whole fight out that to get universal studios to agree to finance it and uh, they did it after he managed to persuade olivier lofton and yushchenov to act in it um but apparently at about the same time, Yul Brenner was trying to make a Spartacus film also. But, um, you know, Universal and Douglas won the Spartacus race. Because Dalton Trumbo, who was a blacklisted screenwriter because everyone thought he was a communist, <laughs> finished writing right. the script in two weeks. And they were like, all right, we go to film. And that's why they won the race. I'm trying to find out if there is a previous twin film prior to this, right? Um, well, I mean, every single one of the Marx films are exactly the same. So, so there, there is, that's, in fact, there were films before this. So this was not the first notable twin film. But this is the first one I've ever seen that may have been from the lead actor instigating it yeah right and there's not many before this right so you had though though actually i I will say that that as notable examples on this list this is not included in it uh which is shocking because i thought the similarities are glaring um but we have like you know around this time oscar wilde and the trials of oscar wilde both came out at the same time um this is these are not the same film but they are ostensibly the same film. Which one are you looking at? Uh, Shaft's twin movie. Yeah. Um, you're a big boy now in, in The Graduate also. You're a big boy. Um, but see, this is where, where the, the coming of age, they're not the same film at all. They're just the same idea of yeah. a young man being pursued by an older woman. Right. So the, what happens in these things is a lot of times they are, are screened by a studio executive. In this case, it wasn't screened by a studio executive. It was the actor having been turned he, down. Yeah, he tried. That was like, he tried to get the role and he didn't get it. <laughs> um, so I've never seen that before. But he is executive producer. This essentially was a film. I'm not say financed completely by him, but usually executive producer has a significant stake financially in procurement of the funds. Um, which is where the executive part of it comes in. Usually, is basically like you're not actually in charge in producing the film, but you paid enough money somehow or you've gotten enough you've you've produced enough money to be added into the film that we're going to give you a special credit right um so now that we're done that aside yeah it's it's crazy though it's it's crazy how similar they are and only being i don't know i mean you know there's no jesus in this one there's no jesus in this. it's just communism it's it's just communism yeah it's a different type of jesus (laughs) so anyway this movie started with an overture yes it does the overture was four minutes and 41 seconds of a pretty much completely black screen the entire time yes and then and then the music changes a little and you get the opening credits which do have like a background thing right but they were also about four minutes and 40-some seconds. Mm-hmm. So it is a full, like, nine and a half minutes yep. before the movie 
starts. Thank you, Star Wars, for stopping this trend in films. Because, man, is it obnoxious to not only have to sit through a seating arrangement in a film, but then the entire credits of a film just to get it started totally takes the wind out of the sales of wanting to watch the movie um apparently it is inspired by a life story of a real Mm -hmm. guy called spartacus leader of the third servantile civil war in rome back in antiquity blah blah Mm -hmm. blah uh, I learned about that solely from playing Imperator Rome, the grand strategy game, because I'm a nerd. Uh, this is so far the second movie on the AFI's <laughs> Top 100 that is based in ancient Rome. Mm-hmm. And cool also setting. the second movie with a gladiator-type guy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, not just a gladiator-type guy, but... Uh, so anyway... Which, oh, and which then, also, I have to say, I, I screwed up the story, I think, from, from the previous. I was literally mixing up uh, the movie Gladiator. He is not captured like he was in... No, no, he was born into he slavery. He was born into slavery, and in fact, his grandfather was a slave as well. So he's a third-generation slave, essentially. Okay, okay. Um, I had a question during one of the early scenes, and uh, Mike didn't answer me. I don't know that Mike heard me ask it. Do teeth really say that much about a person's health and their chutzpah? Chutzpah. Of vigor, vim and vigor. Do your teeth say a lot about how healthy you are and how, uh, like, resilient and energetic you are? Germany thought so. (laughs) Well, like, like, I, I just... As a person with bad teeth, you take offense to this. I so. take offense to this, yeah. especially in a time before dentists. Like we know there weren't dentists. Well, that, that, so then. that was the idea. I think was it was the show. Like, are they ill? Are they malnourished in some capacity? Because the first thing that happens also wasn't sugar then, so. right? So the first thing that happened. Well, yeah, people had no teeth in the back then. People were just yeah. they were falling off, right? But like the first thing you're looking for is like. It's like things like scurvy, malnourishment, disease. And like the first things that happen with that is like, you know, teeth start to fade or they start to like get like deaded or, you know, they start the gum lines start to shrivel up and stuff like that. Like scurvy, like the, the, the come back. So like probably you'd be looking to see like, are they sick? Right. Mm. And yeah, if a person has a nice big full mouth of chompers, they're probably much healthier than the person who's lost like seven teeth and they're gum lines all shrivel back up and yeah yeah probably it's probably a decent indicator during a time period where they thought you know that humors ailed them and they needed to bloodlet sicky i don't like i mean not that i want to be a slave but i just the implication that i would be a bad slave because my teeth aren't good well you just wouldn't be picked for the gladiatorial comedy I'm okay with that. I don't want to be a gladiator. Huh. I especially do not want to do that weird merry-go-round with the poles where you have to duck, yep. duck, jump, duck, jump. Like, that was insane. When I say that was insane, the progression of time, because <laughs> they're only on it for, I want to say like a minute, maybe yep. two minutes, right? But the way they kind of like fade out and show less people and everyone gather around watching, so it's like he spent a whole yep. day. Yep. Stanley Cooper gave us the first montage. Um, so, so the story is rather simple. 
Wait, 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 before you do the story, it's just because okay. my, ne- my next line is his wife gave him some water in the mess hall scene, mm-hmm. but it's not like she's Jesus or anything. Gotcha. So it's not, a, not as good, right? It's not the same. It's not the same. And, and also, she didn't give it to him in direct opposition to a soldier. So, do you. So it's not. It's interesting that also that you brought up to the, the iconic scene from Ben Hur. Do, do you think that the um, allusions to communism and socialism in the story are because of Trumbo's influence? Yes. Okay. Because if I remember correctly, he is one of the ones that actually was like, essentially a communist propagandist, like, right? I don't know that he definitely, definitely was, but he was one of the guys who was blacklisted mm-hmm. at a point in time in which they were blacklisting everyone for not naming names and pointing fingers. Right. So it could have been that he was not originally like a communist yeah. sympathizer, but because he didn't. Like, say, people who are like, yeah, I, I happen yeah. to know for a fact that this person is also is a communist, right? Yeah. Um, they just blacklisted him as well. So, like, that would be the Spartacus scene where, like, they're not get the I am Spartacus, the scene where they are yeah. not giving each other up yes. because the fraternity. When, when you discovered the tvtropes.com and lost the no, rest of your night. No, I've seen tvtropes.com before. I just like that it actually does lists every time it appears yes. in it a live action film. Uh, Cartoon sure, film, anything. Video web games, comics, yeah. comics, video games, books. Like it's just like, hey, this is a comprehensive list of everyone that has this particular TV mm-hmm. trope in it. Yep. So this is all right. So go ahead and so, tell the story. Yeah, we have to tell a story instead of just spending an hour giving random factoids without context. I know, I know, you love to, but we kind of need context for what this film is. So, okay. so if you have not seen this, this is a historical epic in the actual term epic that's why it's three and a half um by uh our man stanley kubrick i think it's like his third or fourth actual film and kind of the one that propelled him no it's fine go ahead he doesn't particularly like this film Uh, he wanted nothing to do with it when they brought it back for restoration not shocking uh he also kind of hates all of his work this is apparently one of the only ones that he did like quote-unquote or higher mm-hmm. because like Kirk Douglas yes. had a different guy in line and then had a bunch of problems with him and went yeah the, and just like hired the, to the movie he really wanted to do was the Napoleonic Empire movie which is why he did that a couple years later and never actually came to be though it, um. it was all scrapped um but similar grandiose ideas of of he wanted like 40,000 people he wanted to actually hire a country's army to portray an army live on screen. And we get a hint of that idea. I mean, idea. sounds pretty unique and eccentric. It does. It, it, it totally is. But other than that, it is a very... Uh, to the point, and it makes sense that you say that it, he kind of disowned it a bit, because it feels like a very by-the-numbers epic. It's like a very old-style period piece of that time. Oh, it, so story. So story. We follow the rise and eventual fall of the leader of a gladiatorial rebellion in Rome, pre-Caesar. So this is still the Roman Republic. Only just pre. It's pretty pre. Because he's no, not... it's only just pre, because Caesar's the one who is in charge of the army at the end. He's in charge of the army, but he's not in charge of the emperor. Empire. Oh, like pre-Caesar. So, 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 so Caesar... 
Caesar's empire is still a republic because Caesar's empire doesn't happen until it comes back from the Gallic war above in uh, the Alps in France and ends up invading France and taking it over and controlling the the army. And when he's told to come back, says, nah, dude, they're mine now. Right. And then storms on Rome. So anyway, story, sorry, rise and fall rebellion. So, so yeah, so it's after, it was before the Caesar thing. Um, and it is about a, a slave in a, like, salt mine, marble mine of some sort, maybe, or something like that, um, named Spartacus, who ends up attacking a slave master, um, for, I was, was it, because someone else was getting beat up, right? He kind of, like, bit the guy's ankle, or Achilles, or something. Yeah. They, they said he was hamstrung, which doesn't seem right, because he, like, bit his, like, ankle, but... Yeah, it's like, like down there, here, right? but but anyways, like he it, it kind of sets up the idea that that he's like he's vehemently against slavery. Shocking that a slave would be such, um, and is a defender of his people. And he attacked in defense of somebody else, and was basically left to die until a, a gladiator training school was looking for fresh candidates and liked sort of his vigor. And his his teeth. attitude and his teeth <laughs> and his teeth. Um, I mean, he actually didn't really like his teeth though. He was like, "Oh, it's a shame, not such great teeth." But then they were like, "Yeah, well, he bit this dude." He's like, "Oh, well, actually." Well, okay, so he didn't see his teeth when he, he wouldn't said show him. He wouldn't show his teeth. That's right. So he wouldn't show. He's like, him. "What? He doesn't listen to commands?" And um, they're like, "Well, I can, I can, I can attest to how good his teeth are." He <laughs> he hamstrung someone earlier. <laughs> yep. So he gets sent to the gladiatorial school and told they're going to be trained to fight to the death, which is not accurate depiction of gladiator life but we're dealing with 1960s and people still today think gladiators actively fought to the death and were not just ancient roman professional wrestlers which they kind of were um so at that time just imagine if you could pay an exorbitant amount of money to schedule a wwe match mm-hmm. where one contender it, like they, they say going in someone's gonna die someone's gonna the die end of this match because that's like i mean sure they're so, working around each other to make a show but when you do the one where it's to the death to the death you can pay extra. there are there are some uh what's the word in professional wrestling uh for what when you actually hit someone oh like uh like it's throwing a potato or shooting yeah, there's, there's probably a there would probably be a lot of shooting if you put two people in the ring and went. Well, someone's got to die for the other one to die. get out. Um, yeah, no, that, I mean, you would also, have... how much harder would it be to kill someone in a wrestling? I mean, I know some people have died. Yeah, more often I mean, you just you got chairs, baseball bats. Yeah, they, they don't hurt that much. I think yeah. the most often thing is you just cripple them for life by dropping them on their head. Yeah, weird, pretty much. Um, Just do the styles clash wrong. Right. I figured figure Joey Janela would do this. Do the styles clash wrong? No, he would just be like, we're going to fight to the death. All right. Cool. Sure. Sure, man, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's is now following them in the school. We're told we're going to fight to the death. Um, and at that point, he meets a young woman who's played by a 40-year-old woman because everybody in these ancient films in the 60s and 50s are played by like grandparents at the time for some reason. I don't know if you can explain that. Um, Because Kirk Douglas is constantly like, young man, 
boy, and he's like clearly like forty already. Nah, Tony Curtis was only like thirty. <laughs> you know, you sure? Yeah, maybe. Dude, the man's wrinkle is his skin looked like leather. Not Tony Curtis's. Even Tony Curtis's looked like leather. Tony Curtis played um the senator, right? Antoninus. Oh no, the young boy who sings. Uh, oh no, he still looked super old, and they acted like he was an eighteen-year-old. Or like a fresh, like a nubile sixteen-year-old boy to be molded by by someone. Like he, guy's a full-ass grown man. It is so weird. Old films weird me out like that. The, the casting is just so odd. Though I guess actually it'd be weirder if it was an actually a small boy with some of the scenes. But anyways, so that's uh, why that scene was cut. <laughs> Spartacus is. Uh, meets a woman who later becomes his wife, whose name I can't remember or pronounce correctly. Felicius, Felicius, began with a V. Felicius, it doesn't matter. Um, she's a typical female side character in a film of this era, so she has very little to do with the story. Varinia. Varinia. That's the one played by Gene Simmons. Yes, yes, yeah. Gene Simmons of Kiss plays her. It's pretty awesome. Uh, the tongue work is very impressive. Uh, but, you know, uh, Kirk, Kirk Douglas's character Spartacus has a moment where they give, I guess they are giving the gladiators every night a female slave to have their way with. No. You don't think so? You don't no. think you would just give it to everyone? No. You think it was just to break Kirk Douglas? Yes. Oh, see, I, th- I, I, I thought it was implied that it just was giving everybody. Here you go. See you. No, no, no. So they had the women there as the other kind of slaves that they needed, right? Right. They're servantile. Servantile cats, right? And that particular one, when they did it, they put it in in a room so Mm -hmm. that they could watch from the ceiling. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was was to see, like... Not only can we make you fight to the death, yeah. we can also make you fuck for our yeah. pleasure. Well, so I, I just kind of thought it was given to all of them because You're one, like animals. well, because like one, you you kind of you might want more gladiators. I don't know if this is during a time in which they believe in the humors and whatnot. Wouldn't mm-hmm. they prefer that you save your fluids? I don't know. Like Romans were very good about giving their fluids out to everybody, but I would think that the, you would want to to provide some type of passive reward loop. Oh. Well, yeah, but he didn't do anything to deserve someone. If you were doing a passive reward loop, you would be giving them a woman when they want a match in the training. Right. He, he did not win any he didn't training win anything. matches. No, but like you start to establish that. You, like you said, you give the animal food a treat before they do something good to no, say that yes, you, you do. Don't. You, know, you give it to him first, and then you perform the treat. You hold it in front of them, say, here's the thing. Now, so like when you train a dog, you give it, you give them a treat first. Okay. No, you don't. Yes, you do because you need to establish that this is a treat. Then you have them perform an action, and you may you may like mime the action for them, so that you show them. Then you give them the treat. So you now establish a motor function of you've had the treat. You know, treat's good. I have treat. I'm making you move this motion, and I'm giving you treat. Now you don't give the treat until they replicate the motion, and they have to figure it out. And you might have various amounts of pressure to it, but that's how you train a dog. I don't think I ever had to explain to my dog what treat was because my dog was like, mm, "That's a treat. I want that." And well, I went, yeah, ah, well, yes, you can smell your, this. I your will dog give you this wasn't actually you trained this. either by evidence of how it ate, interacted around people. So, like, to properly train a dog, that's what you would do. Is you, and it's it's similar to what it do like psychologists would do. Is you have to provide the incentive to the animal first, 
to show like this is the thing. It, that's like like how you produce a behavioral result in a person. So it's like to me, I thought that that's what they were doing is that they were like, "Here's slave girl, do what you will." One also checks to see like their virility, their like aggression, that kind of thing. So it's helpful to see like how they act around people and how they act within that. But it also provides like a reward incentive because then you're like, okay, you win. There you go. Here's what you had. You had a taste. Now have more if you succeed. You know, that kind of thing. So anyway, story. Um, yes. So at that point, he chooses not to have his way, and they mock him and take her away. And so there's like this sort of love undertone to the story of like her there. He's staring at her all the time. He's not allowed to do anything about it. They, they got this sort of love relationship. And it's about them training in the ring. Um, and he has a... Where, where is he from? It, it was an African guy. I don't know whether they say he was like Nubia or something. I there just remember them country. saying that he is skilled. Serbia? No, Serbia. It, it was the, the one of the ones that they have the, uh, the, the tridents. So it was mm-hmm. like somewhere in North Africa. Um, and at one point he was like trying to make friends with him. And he, and he basically said, like, no, don't even tell me your name because if if we are ever to fight in a ring I'm going to have to kill you so I don't want to know your name but eventually they do kind of become friends and he confides in him that like he doesn't want to have to ever take a life from another person that he'd rather die right um and eventually there's this whole other subplot between the the Roman senators kind of Vying for power that are involved on the Just outside. The Roman it's works. it's honestly kind of underdeveloped and not that interesting, I think, and it actually kind of hurts the flow of the movie. But they're there, and their family's there, and they want to watch two of these gladiators fight to the death. Um, no, they want to watch four. Well, they want to watch four, right? And so they pick them, and and they pick Spartacus and the other guy that. Uh, kind of became friendly with they had to fight to the death uh spartacus loses but instead of getting killed um the other gladiator ends up revolting and throwing a trident almost hitting one of the gladiator one of the uh romans and ends up getting stabbed in the back right so it kind of sets up a foreshadowing later on of sort of this relationship of uh the the, the relationship of death in spartacus right um but eventually this kind of leads, not immediately, but ends up leading to an event where um, the gladiators led by Spartacus end up killing the slave master. Not the slave master, not the owner, but like the slave trainer. And Zzz. Multiple. All trainers. Of them. Well, but there's the one guy, but like everybody no, else. I know there's, there is, I'm one of all of them, but like they starts by drowning the one guy in the slop, right? And breaking out and freeing each other and and going on a quest to basically get out get the hell out of Rome, right? Or out of Italy. See, but they don't actually try to leave. Not for a they while. They just stay at the Ludus. They kind of just hang out a bit. But and it is this sort of this like Pied Piper thing where they just All everywhere these they other go freed people join them. They just kind of steal people. They're like, join us, join us, other slaves. We're going, and they kind of come bandits for a bit, and they're kind of just raiding shit and taking money and going from town to town. Um, and obviously, Rome's super not happy about that. 
So Rome starts to send out a, you know, a legion to go take care of it. And some other stuff happens, but ultimately uh, it gets to the point where uh, Spartacus is going to be pinned. He has, a, he has a quest where he's trying to get from one end to Italy to the other to get to these pirate ships that were promised to him that he paid for. Um, and the promise is revoked because one of the Roman senators basically bought and like out-bribed him, essentially. Uh, which just seems weird, because I feel like he could have just went over it and been like, okay, well, what were they offering? We'll double it. We got these fucking you know crazy amounts. Um, but ultimately, they have to charge towards Rome in a battle um, to try to uh, kind of like kill the head of the snake because they know these other armies are coming after them uh, becomes looking like a suicide mission and it ends up being a suicide mission a whole bunch of people are killed except for Spartacus and maybe like I don't know a hundred guys or yeah, something like that Yeah, and that leads us to that famous moment of like okay if you guys give up Spartacus what, if one of them is alive you can tell me where his body is He's like, everyone else could go free. Well, not free, but they can be They can slaves. live out they can the live rest of their days as, as slaves. Um, and then he, you know, Kirk Douglas is about to stand up and go, I'm Spartacus. And then um, the, the little boy, Tony little 32-year-old 30, boy, Tony Curtis, stands up first. Uh, or side by side with him and goes, I'm Spartacus. And everyone else says, I'm Spartacus. And everyone else is sentenced to be crucified along the road to Rome. And then the guy remembers that he has actually seen Spartacus before. Yes. <laughs> um, he goes, hey, wait, that's you. That's you. Also, we have your wife now and your child um, because they end up finding them alive. And, and there's this whole other subplot. So, like, the, the, it has a similar problem with this and Ben-Hur in that, like, the movie kind of ended, like, two hours and ten minutes in. And I think you even mentioned it, like around that point when the battle was done, like if they just kind of wrapped it up in 10 minutes. No, listen, it's all about closure. Yeah, but like, don't you feel like if they this ended This movie it, has actual closure. Are, are you arguing against your own point? No, listen to what I'm saying. This movie actually has closure. Oh, versus Ben-Hur? Yes. Oh, yeah. Well, ben, <laughs> Ben-Hur just stops. Like this movie... There's a reason for the There's other hour. There's a reason for why they yeah. kept going. But it's not because enough. if you didn't, like, I mean, they could have cut out a bunch of the middle scenes to get to this. Because what they do is, okay, finish the story, and then yes. I will say about so the at, at this point, closure. At this point, the, the camp is being, um, there's a whole other subplot about, like, the, the romance between one of the Roman senators that owned the young boy and him. Senator. Um, the worst Digimon. <laughs> pretty much. Uh, and there's a sort of this this whole thing. He's there with them, um, and he kind of basically figures out, or at least assumes, that Spartacus is with him side by side in the chain, and they tell him that they, those two get to go last on the crucifix. So they got to watch everyone else get crucified first. Um, and at a certain point, I forget what caused it but they make them for the for the senator and the other roman legion um for their privilege and honor to fight to the death and that you know the victor will still be crucified. the victor will still be crucified but the one will be killed in the gladiator combat and the inverse of what had happened earlier in the movie happens where they are actually fighting each other for real for the right to 
give the other one a swift death. Which is kind of cool and fucked up. But also, they could have easily killed each they other. They could have. They could have just stabbed each other both at the same time. That's all I'm saying. Um, it's not like the Romans had a way to fix that. Or they could have tried to attack two of the Romans and got themselves killed, too. Yeah. Also would have worked, right? A little yeah. bit riskier. Suicide by cop is a thing. Right. It's a little bit riskier because he could have just been both captured, but been a little bit more fun, I think. Mm-hmm. Especially if you can get to that fucking senator. Um, I mean, they wouldn't have gotten to the senator. But uh, uh, Spartacus ends up winning the battle and killing his friend. Um, and is then crucified on the road. And in the meantime, the senator um, in question had the wife and the child, um, but another sen- rival senator, there's this whole other subplot with a relationship between them, and he manages to kidnap her and the child and then give them legal papers of freedom um, so that they are legal, free slaves and citizens of Rome, and they are smuggled out by um, this other guy onto the road in which she sees Spartacus still alive on the crucifix or not crucifix, but cross because crucifix is with Jesus. Um, and shows him the bait, his, his son, and his baby. And was like, look, we're free. We did it. You can die now. Please die. Don't, you know, like it's kind of fucked up. Um, and then he gets to watch her basically travel away and kind of have that ease of mind that like, finally, like, his son is not going to be the son of a slave. Son of a son. It's like a. It's like a. The His reverse. Son is a free man. Right. It's. It's not like like the du- Dusty Rhodes, Cody Rhodes thing. The son of a son of a plumber. It's not. He's not the son of a son of a son of a of a slave. Right. He's finally. His son will be a free man. He's finally closure. free. Closure. It is closure. It's closure that took an hour longer that could have been. Con- okay. So. So what we're saying is some of the scenes could have been removed, but. Mm-hmm. So you like this a lot more than better. Yes. Okay. I mean, I do too, but I'm just clarifying so, because you, you really did not like Ben-Hur. Yeah, I really didn't yeah. like Ben-Hur. When the gladiatorial slaves have taken over the Ludus, which mm-hmm. is the name for a gladiatorial training mm-hmm. camp, right? They've taken over the Ludus and um, they're just being, I'm, I'm like, boys will be boys. Power corrupts. Absolute power corrupts, absolutely. They're in charge. And they find some, like, fat Roman citizens Mm -hmm. or civilians. I'm not sure if they have served in the army to earn the right. Whatever. I don't think of Rome actually. That's not a thing. (laughs) Um, And so they have these two rich people who don't know how to fight, and they're forcing them to fight each other. Right. And they're all around jeering and be like to the death kill him blah 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 and they have like a guy in the ring with them with fire to like keep pushing them back into the center and spartacus comes upon this scene Mm -hmm. and stops and disbands it and does like a whole thing to the rest of them being like i swore to myself that if i made it out alive i would never watch Two people forced to fight to the death right. for entertainment. Right. And um, the man who got killed letting me leave also swore that. And he he died mm-hmm. before he could make it out. But, like, we're fighting for this. We're fighting for the ability to people not have to die for entertainment's mm-hmm. sake. And, like, that's a whole thing. And then, so later, when it comes back to the... Him and Tony Curtis, who he sees as a son, and it's a fight to the death, and he's and he's willing to do it. 
to save his son that pain mm-hmm. because he sees him as a son, which is like a little bit weird because they're about the same. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, no, Kirk Douglas is like, well, I mean, as characters, yes, it's weird. Yeah. But Kirk Douglas in real life at this point looks like he's like 50. Yeah. So that's one of the so, bringbacks. Yeah. Um, the Ver- Verinius, did mm-hmm. I say her, her name was? Yes. Ver- Vera something. Vera Verinia. Okay. Yeah. So um, the her part of the recurring story is that uh, she is a serving maid slave yes. in the room with the rich Roman people when they're sitting there talking about how much they want to have uh, a two, I'm like a two on two, um, two fights to the death. And a guard says something about her feet and lifts her skirt to look at her feet and she pours a jug mm-hmm. of wine on him and it's just like oh i'm sorry it's an accident and this is the first time that crassus sees her and goes ooh mm-hmm. ooh bring her to me bring her to me but then he never gets her well no no, no but he he offers to pay for her apparently the mo- money never actually changed hands. Uh, but he's like, he's paying for her and he's having her shipped to his home and her in the cart being shipped off to his home is when the rebellion happens, Mm -hmm. which apparently it was planned for many days, according to the book. But in the movie, Mm. it's that Spartacus is all kind of sad in the mess hall and the guy's like, oh yeah, remember that woman that you loved too much to fuck for our entertainment? She's going away now. She's going to be fucked all day by this guy instead. And that's why he kills him and does the outbreak. Right. And so while she's on the cart, uh, the fat guy, Batiatus, yes. she falls off the cart and Batiatus is too large to chase after her. Yes. <laughs> and that's how she gets free. But then actually gets just thrown into another slave camp. Because well, she's just kind of chilling with well, other slaves, no, picking shit. Well, she's like she's out in the fields, free until Spartacus finds yes. her again. Yeah. Um, and then like her and Spartacus do the yeah. like they're in love and they're married thing, and then later when they're making fun of him as they're about to kill him, and they're like, "Oh yeah, your wife and son are at my house." That's the same guy again. That's Crassus. Finally got yes. his hands on that yes. sweet piece of ass he was admiring. Right. Who then got it stolen from him? <laughs> Who then got and. It, and, like, it was entertaining that he was, um, like, saying to Spartacus that she's being, like, a serving maid in the house or whatever. Mm-hmm. But did you see her clothing? He's, I mean, true, he's treating her as, like, a harem kind of thing. Yeah. But she's not serving in any other way. No. Just in his bed. Yeah. <laughs> well, like, well, what's this boy? The other boy was going to be. Yeah, well, not for him, though. Yeah. Or no, yes, for him. So, that is correct. Yeah. So um, the thing Mike is referencing yeah. is a bath scene that was removed because it was illicit mm-hmm. in nature, which is weird because it was mm-hmm. not. <laughs> in which Very um, reminiscent of that airplane scene. Laurence Olivier is asking Tony Curtis like oysters. if he likes oysters. I love snails. Yeah, and is then like, is one of them moral and the other is not? Yes. Which, <laughs> and this is some kind of coded text? Well, so, so that's the weird thing, because it's definitely a coded text for the film, but makes no sense in the sake of the movie, because the time period had no qualms about sexuality between people. So, like, the idea of them, like, 
like trying to play coy around like like homosexual behavior is very odd when like Romans would just be like, yo, like dicks. Like like Romans were incredibly crass to the I, point I of having like like graffiti fucking everywhere of junk. Yeah, I just know they all over the place. Like graffiti. they just loved they Romans loved dicks. Just dicks everywhere. It was just basically like a thirteen-year-old boy's marble notebook. Just dicks for miles. So dicks this all the way down. House scene. Yes, was removed from the movie for its actual theatrical yes. release when they did a restoration, restoration in uh, what did I say, nineteen ninety-six or something like that. Yeah. Uh, for the restoration, they found this scene, but the soundtrack for it was gone, yes. and Tony Curtis remembered his lines. To redo his lines, mm-hmm. but Laurence Olivier was already dead right. at that point. But um, Laurence Olivier's widow remembered that. Um, oh, I can picture this man in my head. Anthony What's Hopkins. his name? Anthony yeah. Hopkins. She remembered that Anthony Hopkins did a great impression of him. So we had a two-minute scene in the movie where you're listening to an old Tony Curtis and Anthony yeah, Hopkins, Hopkins pretending to be Laurence Olivier. Pretending to be Laurence Olivier talking in some kind of coded speech about whether or not they were going to fuck. Right. Which also was really weird because I feel like that wasn't the entirety of the scene because I'm pretty sure that scene was just on loop. Like, you couldn't really see their mouths moving. You couldn't see their mouths moving. He was just washing his back. Over and over again. And it just felt like it was B-roll they found that they just kind of kept in over and over until the lines were done. It was very odd, very out of place, and kind of inconsequential to the story. Maybe a little bit. Um, um, but, but like, so what I'm saying is the stuff that happens after the big fight. Like, mm-hmm. I know you want the big fight to be the denouement and just be yes. done. But there was closure. There is closure. In the items that happen after. It just, it, it took a while. It took way too long. It's, a, too it's, long. it's the Ben-Hur problem of, like, the story's kind of done and we're in, like, an epilogue that, like, it just doesn't need to be... A third of the film. Okay. Uh, so anyway, my other notes, because Mike stopped us yes. before I could go into my phone notes. Go into the notes now that people actually have context for them. Okay, yeah, but like this one sounds bad. You should have let me say it earlier. Too bad. In reference to gladiatorial combat, I am mm-hmm. not defending mm-hmm. the bum fights that Otaku organized in Baltimore during uh-huh. a convention. <laughs> But it it had a his, it had it was steeped in history. It had mm-hmm. it had a foothold in history. That's the thing. You pay people, you watch them fight. No, you should never defend otaku's. Um, weeb's are not something that need to be defended. They should be. It was uh, God. I hope it didn't happen multiple years. But they, there was one year that it happened. They were like lining up to go into the convention center, and this was when it was still in Baltimore. And the amount of humans around in Baltimore that are just constantly asking for yeah. money. And they uh, were like, I'll give you money if so you entertain me. Season two of this show will probably be um, the the stacking of uh, modern social pariahs. And mm-hmm. I think we'll really have to figure out where on the stack they list, um, whether furry bottoms out, whether... A train game enthusiast. Ooh, um, but I'm pretty sure weebs are lower than both. 
No, no. Otaku are definitely slightly better than Mm, furries. I don't know. I don't know. I kind of respect furries. I don't know if I respect weebs. Okay, so unrelated to that. um, Oh, wait, I gotta get back to that one, too. Um, one One of the rich bitches... When the Lawrence Olivier came in with two women yes. and there was one of the women I was looking at going, God, she looks so familiar. This was an actress who is in both of the Parent Trap movies mm-hmm. as I think the same person. So in the original Haley Mills Parent Trap movie, mm-hmm. her name is Vicky. Which is around the same point in and time. She like is 61 the, yeah. something like that. And she is the prospective stepmom. Yeah. Right? In the Lindsay Lohan movie, much more recently, her name is Vicky, mm-hmm. and she is like the mother or the aunt of the prospective stepmom, mm-hmm. <laughs> and she has like the same creepy voice mm-hmm. in both movies. So I think she's just the same actor or the same character years later, and I, I was amused by that. Um, I enjoyed that the guys in that group were just completely bored by the gladiators killing each other. They were just like just talking. It's so nonchalant. Like Chatting yeah. politics and the oh, do you have that man's vote? Is he going to back you? Well, it's like watching baseball, right? Like, um, star, star, star. I want a chainmail sleeve. Okay. Great trivia. Yeah. Um, so right before they fought, they used the line, those who are about to die salute you. Right. And we got into this comment about how that's obviously not in reference to like man on man gladiator fighting. Right. Because one, they're fucking expensive. Mm-hmm. Apparently there there are sometimes one might die, yes. but there's like a significant upcharge because you've you know, you destroyed pay, the deposit. It's like you almost have to pay like a dowry on the a new gladiator. Yeah. It's like you have to pay a cost of one. But it apparently is mm-hmm. a historically likely mm-hmm. phrase because there are three separate accounts of one event in which that phrase was used, and it was naval reenactments. Was this during Rome? They were or was called this... yeah during yeah. yeah. They were called Naumachia, Mm -hmm. and it was prisoners of war Mm -hmm. and people that were already condemned to die. And they'd put them on boats, on like lakes or flooded areas Mm -hmm. to make them do naval reenactments. They they actually, several of the coliseums that existed actually had aqueducts underneath. Aqueducts underneath. That actually flooded the water. So So that's the, those who are about to die salute you is the ones because they know they're going to die. Those those are not gladiators. Those Those are not gladiators. That's almost like a bizarre, it's kind of like my idea for turning like Afghanistan into like a Hunger Game situation for prisoners where you just send them all over and you say whoever survives can just come back. We'll come back to George Carlin. Remind me later. Oh, right. Did he want to do that for like Dakota? The four separate states. I'll tell right. you more. We'll come back to that. We'll do that offline. Yeah. Uh, and this is long appara- as it yeah. Is. Apparently Emperor Claudius had responded or not, by mm-hmm. the way, when they said those who are about to die salute you. He's like, yeah. or not. Um, at one hour and 48 minutes in, there was an intermission. Yes. Intermission. The intermission was uh, approximately three minutes long. And then the movie came back. And then I have much less notes from here till the end of the movie. But uh, during this giant fight scene that happened at one point where they were on a hill, they had these um, 
rollers of... Yeah, these were cool. I don't know if they were hay bales, but know. they were giant like... person-sized kebabs yeah. that were lit on fire and rolled down a hill. I mean, they look they look like a kitchen roller. They were like giant yeah, they were just like giant rolling pins. Um, that is the best weapon to use in a skirmish, as long as you have the high ground. Yes. Uh, they also, uh, going back to Stanley Kubrick's bizarre obsession with large-scale combat being filmed, um, and the unfortunate never-to-be-seen Napoleonic film that he had, it's like there was so many scenes. Like It was the only time in the film that I was like, holy shit, Stanley Kubrick's here. Because the rest of it's shot so plainly for its time. Uh, there, that, was, like, there was some really nice, um, large-scale landscaping yes. things. It's like any time he could shoot a large mass of people migrating, it all looked really damn good. There's like, even this scene where they're like, he's now gotten like a third of the slaves in Rome freed. And they are climbing like up a hill. But the way it's shot, the way it's shot, like ants reminded climbing. me of Inception. Yes, <laughs> because it's like they're in the foreground climbing up, but then they're climbing down one hill up another. You know what I'm talking? It's the same yeah, scene, yeah, right? Yeah. And like it looks like little ants climbing up a hill, but like the people, like the force perspective is very odd in it. It's really cool looking, and obviously the actual fight. Like the big fight scene at the end there was, is crazy oh yeah, so, ridiculous. Okay, so Mike loved the best special effects scene. Oh, it's so cool. Which um, it's great. Yeah, it's not a lot of special effects. No. It's just that they hired a guy who was an amputee. And Sparks just chops his and, arm off. Yeah, and Kirk Douglas was handed a real blade for this mm-hmm. sword, and he was like, he he had to hit this fake arm at exactly the right spot, so it look right, and also and fall. So yeah. like he was so afraid of doing this that apparently he only did one mm-hmm. take. Like he did it. It was like, okay, that's it. We're yeah. done. Uh huh. Yep, and it's one that you've seen. Again, like, so many of the things that happen in the film, like, knowing how old it is, and it's not, 96, it's not really that old, but when you consider, like, the advent of a lot of other filming techniques, right? Uh-huh. Um, 60 years old. Maybe. It's 60 years old. It, it is pretty old. Um, like, so many of the little things that felt normal now was really impressive that they did it then. Things like those massive sequences. Like, yeah, if you had... I mean, it looked like he probably had 5,000. How many extras did you say were in the film? Um, Somewhere I saw a thing that said that there was about 10,000 10, people in the cast. 1,000 people in the cast. Almost all of them pretty much in this battle sequence that's filmed. And obviously they use creative cuts and they probably reuse people in spots where they could. So, like, you know, when you see the three, two other armies, it's probably the same army just reconfigured. You know what I mean? Like, you would presume. Um, but, like, now all you do is you take, like, uh, ten guys and you just CG them, CG them all over <laughs> and it's not impressive. But, like, back then, like, the only way to do that and actually have it not be camera tricks, and and he deliberately made it not a camera trick. Like, all those shots are pulled back like you're watching, like, a Gettysburg reenactment, right? Mm-hmm. Where it's, like, a static shot that might pan left and right. But it's not close up. It's not zoomed in. It's a far away battle because he wants you to look at how fucking ridiculous he is. That like, look, I got ten thousand people 
in a field outside of Naples, and they're going to fake fight for my amusement. But like, not to the death. Not to the death. Um, even though some of those stunts looked like they were not planned, and people were just straight up actually falling into fire, um, those fire rolling pins. That's nah, fine. Fire rolling pins. Um, are so awesome. like that. That stuff's really cool. But we have to go to the um, my my question for you. Okay. Uh, because you seem incredulous by this statement, so I have to bring it up on here. I had made the statement about more than halfway through that I felt like there was a mistake in casting. No, no, it's not. I was, I was trying to figure out which what you were saying in reference to it because it sounded it sounded like Mm -hmm. sounded like what you were saying was that you preferred the story. From this one, yes. but the actor from Ben Hur. Correct. So you wanted Charlton Heston as Spartacus. Yes. And Kirk Douglas. Kirk as Douglas ben was woefully underperforming, which makes but sense, what, being the B guy but from. What this. I'm saying is, mm-hmm. then there would be nothing good about Ben Hur. That's fine. Scrub it from the book. Scrub it from history. Because how much better? Because this role yeah. actually has like a, he's a character with nuance. It's I, interesting. I will give you that Kirk Douglas is a kind of wooden Holy actor. shit. He is a, a weird looking like like leathery skin wooden atro- I, I shouldn't say he's like an atrocity. He's not that bad in this, but he does not do any scene an improvement for being in it. Mm-hmm. Like, As opposed to like Charlton Heston is just, oh, cont- he's, he's pretty good. Charlton Heston took a he's, C minus. He's kinetic. He's kinetic. And like he could have done so much more with this character. It was a better story. <laughs> right. Like okay. he, he did so much with Ben-Hur as he could. And I just think some of the nuance of the story could have, it could have had a better actor. But then Charlton Heston went get to be with Jesus. He doesn't need to be with Jesus. Jesus. He needs to be with guns. There were no guns. No, he doesn't. He was an NRA head for a while. So. I don't think there were any guns in Spartacus. Probably not. That'd be really weird. That'd be a weird twist. <laughs> Just it, it, There it, may have been a watch, it, but it there actually, weren't any guns. It actually ends up that it's like the Zardos universe. No. And just fucking Sean Connery shows Zardos? up. Zardos? I thought it was Zardos. 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 Sean Connery just rolls up in a mankini and just a rifle and just a giant head just rolls out. Guns are good. And just start vomiting up firearms for the Romans. I watched the fuck out of that movie. So anyway, where would you rate this? Um, you know, somewhere. Um... So while you're thinking about yours... Well, I have it already, but you go ahead and do yours. So I was going to say, while you're thinking about yours, so in my in my little book, because on the front page I listed the first 20 movies, and this is the last movie of the first 20. Mm-hmm. So I have my page of my current rankings. This is at the bottom of my top list. Okay. So my top list is 12 Angry Men, Sixth Sense, uh-huh. Titanic. Uh-huh. Yankadoodle Dandy, uh-huh. Pulp Fiction, uh-huh. Bringing Up Baby, uh-huh. Blade Runner, Goodfellas, Swing Time, Spartacus, and then A Night at the Opera. Okay. My bottom list, still top down, uh, Platoon, Sunrise, A Song of Two Humans, Sophie's Choice, mm-hmm. Toy Story, 
which is sad that it's down there, but it was just paper. Uh, Ben-Hur, Do the Right Thing, Easy Rider, The French Connection, and then the worst movie ever made, <laughs> The Last Picture Show. Wow, we really don't like The Last Picture Show. Um, so a wide birth between Ben-Hur and Spartacus, despite yeah, being ben, twin yeah, Ben-Hur is like one, two, three, four, five from the bottom, yeah. and Spartacus is currently number 10. Yeah. It's probably going to go down, but my belief is it will be in the top 50 by the end. Yeah. So, so Spartacus could probably hang low 50, you think? Right. 30 or 40-ish. Yeah, so I, I got it. Um, I had a weird one about this because I, I feel kind of odd about how I feel about this. And I guess this is why just the listicles don't really work well for me. Uh-huh. Is that I think I... I don't know. And so I have it at number eight mm-hmm. right now. It's with number one being 12 Angry Men, Blade Runner... Pulp Fiction, Titanic, number five being Goodfellas, Platoon, Sixth Sense, number eight being Spartacus, uh, number nine being Bring Up Bebe, um, number ten being Bebe. being Yankee Doodle Dandy, um, and Ben-Hur being 11, right? Um, I feel like there's a distance between Spartacus and Ben-Hur that need to be, needs to be widened, as is Bring Up Bebe and Spartacus. You just want to say Bebe. I do. Um... Where like I don't I feel like there was a huge distance. I also was really struggling because in my head I could make an argument for it being better than Platoon and Sixth Sense, but I just it didn't feel like it should have gone that high because I felt like while watching it I was enjoying it more than Platoon, but I'm not positive. And I, I, I yeah, but Sixth Sense is definitely. I don't know about that. So I, I, like, I'm even looking at that. I'm thinking like maybe, but you know what? Sixth Sense was more effective because of its it, the amount of time. It was more concise of a film. It, I think it, the length of this hurt. So yeah, it was a little long. So I think that's where why like I feel like it technically could have been up even one or maybe two more. But I think it's a length that really hurt it for me overall. Yeah, I mean um, that makes but sense. But it, yeah, it's probably gonna be low, low fifty. I think I wouldn't be shocked if it rounds off at 50 for me by the end of it. Okay. But um but it could go higher. I don't know. The rest of is, this could be a train wreck. Is 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 your bottom movie also the the last it's at, uh 100. Sorry. That's what I'm saying. The worst movie ever made. Um, Sophie's choice every time I look at it is close to you just, just sitting right you down. You just want to put it at 99, right? Uh, it's just yeah. so bad. But I I feel like it, it's like I casted a special Lair of Hell for Last Picture Show. It's going to be all alone until the last movie right. we watch. And, and I feel like it needs to be there for a while because I can at least... You're just leaving it at its own table. As, as unbelievably bad I thought that Sophie's Choice was, um, I think I have to put Last Picture Show at its own special area. But we um, are done all the t- bottom 20. There's something wrong with your list. What's up? to your list let's start with my list uh you didn't slide actual place on the afi list properly because ben-hur was number 100 oh what do i have a ben-hur number 96 oh it probably didn't do the right thing is 96 it just switched that's all those are more for me not for anybody else i know i just i was looking at it and it was wrong yeah (laughs) I, i probably just i probably at one point 
wrote them, down. but didn't yeah. actually swap that out. Um, so anyway, so back to what you said. We have finished the first 20. First 20. The bottom one. 20. Bottom 20. That's one-fifth of the way done. Almost there. So what What are we... Let's briefly, before we end this, um, this we're on a milestone, let's look at, let's say, the next 20 up. Can we okay. can we go through a brief look at what we have looking to look forward to? So coming up, yeah. we have the apartment. Um, who? That's uh, it's Alfred Harry? Hitchcock. No, but it it's Jack Lemmon and Shirley MacLaine. And like, I should actually do this from the AFI page so I can do a mouse over on it. It's it's Shirley MacLaine, and Jack Lemmon, which makes it sound like it's got to be a comedy. Billy Wilder, okay, Not a comedy drama. Uh, then the Wild Bunch. Which is a western. Okay. All right. Then Modern Times, which is a chaplet. Yes, it is. Okay. Then All the President's Men, which is a politodrama. Yeah. Okay, this just says drama, but it's a politodrama. One I have seen and quite enjoy. I know you like Um, that one. I don't know how I feel about it now. I mean, it's it's kind of older now. Well, it's got Mr. Redford in it Mm -hmm. and Mr. Hoffman. Mm -hmm. Have you seen it? Uh, No. Oh, cool. Okay, so that's going to be exciting to see how you think about it. Uh, Then we got Forrest Gump. Yep. Okay, we just watched it recently, too, so it's pretty fresh in my mind. Yeah, we did. But I like uh, In the Heat of the Night, I've seen once a long time ago. Okay, so is that the one that I kept thinking Do the Right Thing was supposed to be? That's the one that has to do with the heat wave and a legal case? Um, In the Heat of the Night is the one with uh, Cindy Poitier. Sydney, Sydney Poitier. Where he's a cop coming in. Oh, um, he's a cop. Okay, he, it, it, uh, it is. It, a, it is it about is like, racism. It's racism during a heat wave, right? Yeah, he so racism it, down south during a heat wave. Yeah, he is called to a small town in the south and dealing with like racists because they don't believe that he's basically really capable to do it. Okay. And he's like the only person that can kind of solve this crime and this problem. Okay. Um, and it deals with like racism, racial injustices, and and like. False testimony and stuff like that. So, okay. but think, think very um like uh, to kill a mocking, mockingbird. Okay, mocking okay. jay. To, to kill a mocking jay is the weird. <laughs> uh, after that is Silence of the Lambs. Okay. Film we're both very familiar with. Butch Cassidy and the Sundance I've never seen Kid. it. I've never seen, seen it. it. So, and it, it also has Mr. Redford. It's a it's a western. It is apparently, um, but it's apparently a comedy. It's a western comedy okay. according to this. Okay. Cool. Uh, Shawshank Redemption. It's your favorite film. Very likely going to be your number one on this list. I really do love um, that movie. Uh, Saving Private Ryan. Not my favorite, but I'm very excited, excited that you're to see it. I'm shocked when you told me you never saw it. Uh, Clockwork Orange. I, You know, so I've seen it. You've made me watch it. I don't really like it. I am. And we'll see how I feel about it now, like a decade later. So I think that was one of the ones, because we, we had tried to go through this list like a decade ago. Um, and it was much harder prior to the the proliferation of on demand stuff. Yeah, we had yeah. we had to literally find reasonably priced DVDs. Which I was gonna say for everyone who remembers the first episode when Mike said I looked like a serial killer because I had like a weird list. Yes. It was because my printout said where certain <laughs> DVDs were being held because. I don't have DVDs in their DVD cases. No, you're a monster. I have this thing disgrace. that holds like 160 I DVDs, and so I had a list be like, "Oh, this is in this is in docket 60 Ugh. of this case," Ugh. so that we could find it if we needed it. But we have yet to watch any of the DVDs. No, we don't. Streaming because I mean, honestly, so many of these are not are 
on streaming, but even most of them are just available for rent for like two bucks. It's just easier just to download it. Yeah. Um, but back then it was much difficult. So we kind of had to dance around the AFI lift for yeah. a while. Which There's, is why I have already seen Citizen Kane and I know right. I'm not going to enjoy it. And we, we kind of gave up. I think we went sort of started top down, then kind of gave up, then jumped around. That kinda, Like, here's what we could find. Here's what we had. Um, so I believe the Clockwork Orange was one from 10 years ago. That I hadn't seen. I'd seen it then for the first time. I didn't really care for it. Yeah, it um, also, Stanley Kubrick movie. Episode. Also, Kubrick. Yeah. Um, then after that, we got Tootsie. Mm-hmm. Then Unforgiven, which is I have seen Unforgiven. an Eastwood movie. Mm-hmm. I've never seen that. Yep. Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf? Not me. I don't know what that is about. I I've don't never know. It's it. apparently a drama of some kind with Ms. Taylor. Then Raiders of the Lost Ark. That's shocking that it's on there. That makes me happy. Yeah. I've seen it. Uh, then the African Queen. Um, that's a uh, number. Uh, Lawrence Olivier. Bogart. Bogart. Oh, it was Bogart. Bogart's gonna be on this list again. Yeah. Then your favorite. The note. It's not that it's my favorite. Mm-hmm. It's that it has my favorite scene, right. from which we will movie discuss in, in detail when oh, we get there. Oh, it's gonna be great. Uh, then we got Cabaret, which you'd think I would have seen before because mm-hmm. I am a fan of musicals. Never have. Uh, American Graffiti. I've seen it. I have not. And then Sullivan's Travel. I don't I have no idea what that is. I have no idea. Um, so that's the next 20. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's some good things to look forward to. Yeah, there's some, that's a good round of 20 there. Yeah. It'd be pretty fun. I stopped mentioning when actors appeared in multiple movies, because remember, I started keeping mm-hmm. a list, but then um, Mike found a comprehensive list yes. online already, Someone. and already told me who ends up another, winning, and so it's not worth it to keep an Excel another sheet. Another train enthusiast has already done what you were trying to do. Oh. So the, like the, trains that the tracks have been laid, and... That much. <laughs> so so we have that settled so we know who has been in a lot my excel sheet was color coded you can continue you can make the better one no you already found the list you already know who right. wins well so we know what's coming for the next 20 so i think we will bid you all adieu as we get ready for another 20 films on the afi list and uh see how they stack and see how far some of these films. See how far Ben Hur, especially, yeah, drops. So, yeah, so the important question is when we come back, when we start on the next 20, are we going to say where they are in, first in relationship to like the whole list? But like, are we going to compare them against the, just the ones in that set of no, 20? No, no, we're going the whole lists? No, we're one, doing the whole One way. comprehensive list to step at a time. One list of 100 films. Okay. They're going to be where I have two individual 100 list films. We'll see how they stack. Mm. My list is going to be better than yours. What? We'll see. We'll see. All right. Well, thank you guys for joining us. We will see you again. Peace. I can't say goodbye. You took my goodbye. (sighs) Say goodbye, Jim. No. Wow. You took it. We'll see you guys next week.